Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Hello, everybody. My name is Scotty Hines. I'm one of the pastors here at Generations Church, and alongside of me is my friend, Pastor Jeff Ludington, also a pastor at Generations Church. No, he is the oh, here we go. lead pastor at Generations Church. Jeff, how are you, my friend? So much pressure with a title. <laughs> All right. Hey, I'm good, man. I am glad to be back. It feels good to be back. It does, man. If you're listening right now, we, for the first time since we began this thing, missed a week. And last week, we did not put out a podcast. And uh, that was around a few things, man. We yeah. have both been sick. Mm-hmm. We got through the holidays. We had plenty of podcasts to get through the holidays. Then we got sick and with travel and busyness, man, we just didn't make it last week. So hey. here we are ready to roll one week later. We are, man. We are back and we are ready to roll. I think with that gap, brother, I think today's podcast is definitely deserving of a good recap. All right. So uh, why don't you recap uh, where we're at, you know, with the Apostles Creed and uh, yeah. well, I'll let you take it over from here. All right, well, let me do that. So we are in episode 19 of this series of the podcast. Our Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude podcast is going through the Heidelberg Catechism. So if you're unfamiliar, you saw this on social media, you clicked on it, and you've never heard those words before, the Heidelberg Catechism is something that is roughly 450 years old. It is something that churches have been using to train up their young for 450 years. And so uh, a lot of times this could be used like, uh, you know, a pastor to a disciple, a disciple to a disciple, a father to a son. Uh, but what a catechism is, is a way of learning by memorizing questions and answers. And so the Heidelberg, uh, a solid catechism that's been used by the church for years, breaks it out into 52 weeks. They call them Lord's Days, as if you would begin learning them on Sunday and memorize them throughout the week. And so we're on Lord's Day 19, or for us, episode 19. Now, Scott, you and I have been doing this where I read the question and you read the answer, almost like a father to a son, or again, like a discipler to a disciple. And so these would be memorized, and uh, many, many, I can't, in fact, I can't emphasize this enough, many have memorized this catechism over the last almost five centuries. Yeah. And so this brings with us a, a historical faith. But if you're picking up right now and you haven't been following along this series, the part of the catechism that we're in is working our way through the Apostles' Creed. And so you may not know what that is, too. Hmm. And, and, and so if you're, if you're joining in, we just wanted to give a big recap. We're working through a catechism called the Heidelberg Catechism. Right now, we're in the middle of asking questions about the Apostles' Creed. Now, that's something that's been around for almost 1,700 years. And really, what the Apostles' Creed does is it walks through a definition or a belief or a set of beliefs about who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, what the church is, right? Yeah. And so we're in the middle of that. And so they're taking little phrases about that. And that's the section we're in. So if you walk in right now, you're like a third of the way into the movie, if you will. (laughs) And for sure, you know, you're almost halfway through the Apostles' Creed. So the big scene that you've been watching, it's almost half over, right? (laughs) So here you are. I wanted to make sense of that today so that we have, uh, so you can just understand it if this is the first time you're ever listening to us. Well, you can understand where you're at. It's kind of like if you think about like the whole Marvel universe, right? Sure. You can watch an independent Marvel movie and get the gist of the movie. Like today, you get the gist of the question, you get the theology. But if you want to know the whole arcing theme of why Thanos is showing up, trying to wipe out the world, you kind of got to watch all of the Marvel movies to get that concept. Same here, though. Since I don't know who Thanos is, I'm going to have to take you Uh, at your word. You don't know who Thanos is? I don't want to know. Oh, man, he's the big bad guy. Uh, Somebody out there just appreciated me for not knowing, and someone else 
dislikes me now because I don't know. So this is a touchy subject. However, <laughs> however, you probably gained a lot more followers knowing that you have a big MCU fan here. Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm more of the Star Wars guy. So, but this is true. The, the you know the the the, the metaphor assembly is true. You know, you don't get the nuances if you don't have the whole story. And so any Marvel movie I pick up and watch, I might enjoy the movie. But these little sub-characters or people that show up that you notice, you're like, oh, I know who that is. Yes. I have no idea. And it's going to tie into a whole other movie. Right. However, you could still, with that being said, you could still be blessed, yeah. encouraged, and inspired by these three questions we're going to go over today. So um, let's do that, man. Let's, let's, do, let's do that. So if you're, if you're listening along, again, uh, I read the questions. Scott uh, gives the answer. And this is really designed to be memorized um kids have been memorizing this yeah. for over 400 years so it's doable it is a, a great solid uh, uh place where we can learn our faith this catechism is a great system of learning yeah. for the church it's great all right so we're Let's in lord's day 19 or episode 19 we have three questions they are as they come in order question 50 51 and 52 today here we go why it says the next words and sits at the right hand of God. So before you answer, okay. if you're listening, this is about Jesus. Why, we're asking, does the Apostles' Creed say, and then the quote is, and he sits at the right hand of the throne of God? Answer. All right. Christ ascended to heaven so that he might show that there he is head of his church and that the Father rules all things through him. Question 51 says this. How does this glory of Christ, our head, benefit us? First, through his Holy Spirit, he pours out his gifts from heaven upon us, his members. Second, by his power, he defends us and keeps us safe from all enemies. All right. And question 52. How does Christ's return to judge the living and the dead comfort you? In all my affliction and persecution, I may await with head held high the very the very judge from heaven who has already submitted himself to the judgment of God for me and has removed all the curse from me. He will cast all his enemies and mine into everlasting condemnation, but he will take me and all his chosen ones to himself into the joy and glory of heaven. Very so nice. as we look at these, here's what we're doing. We're asking questions about what we believe about Jesus. And so these are, uh, we'll call them maybe evangelicals, a common term today, or common Christian beliefs about Jesus. And so this is something, whether you go to a Calvary Chapel, a Reformed Church, a Methodist Church, uh, a denominational church, a non-denominational church, these are things that Christians would believe. These are things that, in fact, Catholics and Orthodox folks believe. And so these are common beliefs about Jesus. In fact, all three major stream, Protestant, Catholic, meaning Roman Catholic, and Orthodox, all use the Apostles' Creed. So these are common biblical beliefs about Jesus. Yeah. So when we look at Jesus and we ask this question as question 50 does, why does Jesus sitting at the right hand of God matter, right? And why does that, and why is that important for us? You know, one of the things that I think is uh, my favorite um, understandings of, of what Jesus is doing today, and if I, if I could comment on that for a second, when we look at the Bible, we tend to look at the Old Testament as proclaiming Christ to come, right? Yeah. Then we open up the New Testament and the Gospels, and we see Jesus' birth and, you know, life, death, resurrection, moving on to the book of Acts, ascension, right? And then all of a sudden, it seems like he's gone for a minute, and then he's going to return in the end. And depending yeah. upon how you read Revelation, you might figure out where he or what he or how he returns, right? So, but in there, what is Jesus doing today? Mm. And that's really where these questions are. Well, 
Why is it important that he is ascended to heaven? Why is it important that he sits at the right hand of the throne of God? How does this glory of Christ, the question asked in question 51, our head, meaning the leader of the church, how does that benefit us? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, again, my favorite thing about this is that there are some images of Jesus uh, in between ascension and return in Scripture that are really powerful. My favorite one comes out of Hebrews 7. It says, He holds his priesthood permanently, meaning Jesus. He holds his role or his office permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. And so that gives us an image of Jesus praying for us. Right? For those of us that follow Jesus and for those that will follow him in the future, that he lives, that he is there speaking to God on our behalf. You know, I, I got <clears throat> to, this, this reminds me of something. My daughter, we've been going through the catechism mm-hmm. and um, they've got about 10 Lord's Days memorized. Pretty good. Not That's bad. Great. Yeah, I'm pretty impressed by them. But Brooklyn, my daughter, she's seven and she's on this, um, this, um, I want to know how to pray, daddy. Out of nowhere. She prays all, all the right. time. And so as you're talking about this, I love the imagery that Jesus is permanently praying for us and making intercession or his, excuse me, his position as priest is permanent and he's consistently interceding for us. I'm going to use this, this context that you just showed right now, man, to teach Brooklyn about prayer. And not only is it something that we get to do to God, that he actually, Jesus is actually still interceding for her. So I'm going to make mention. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is great, man. I didn't even think of that until you were talking about it right now. And so... As you're reading it, um, that's one way it benefits me, at least in application, listening to you interpret it. Yeah, as a father, you get to take this and say, let me teach you about prayer, Mm -hmm. Brooklyn or Ryan or, you know, and now let me tell you, you know, Jesus is praying for you, right? And that's, and that's an awesome conversation. When we get to this part of the, the catechism, we're asking these questions from the Apostles' Creed. Why does it matter that Jesus has ascended? Why does it matter that he sits at the right hand of the Father? Why? Or how, excuse me, does his glory, the glory of Christ, our head. That's another way of saying, how does Jesus as our lead pastor, our senior pastor, right? I like that, yeah. How does that benefit us, right? And then one answer is that he is praying for us. Yeah. That's powerful. The, The priesthood thing, if you're listening and you're not familiar with this, there are what we call three offices in the Old Testament. And so the office is a role or a position of authority is really yeah. why they use the word office. Uh, but there's prophet, priest, and king, right? And so yeah. we have famous prophets like Isaiah, right? We have priests, Aaron, Moses' brother, the, yeah. the high priest. I mean, that's that's a great example one. Kings, David, Solomon. We Those are those three ongoing offices in the Old Testament. And as priests, their real role was to be a go-between. That They would go to God on behalf of the people and go to the people on behalf of God. Really, yeah. that was kind of, yeah. their role was you know leading the them to worship, yep. teaching them, encouraging them, right? The prophets would call out sin in the culture, sin in the community, you know, kind of call out what yeah. was wrong and, and point them towards Jesus. A lot of even speaking forward, looking towards Jesus. And then yeah. the kings really just, you know, kind of guarding, leading, loving, building, yeah. right? You know, yeah. and so why does Jesus' priest matter to us? Well, he is living in this place of intercession yeah. for us. Yeah, and he's just a bridge to the Holy of Holies. Now I know right. we're going into another analogy right. of the temple. Right. Uh, we don't, you know, th- th- it was an important place that only the high priest can enter uh, once a year, as right. a matter of fact, and Jesus entered that for us eternally. And so he, yeah, anyhow. Well, that's a beautiful picture, man. You bring that up. It really I, is. We yeah. can do a little explanation there. So in the Old Testament, the high priest would go in and make a sacrifice on the Day of Atonement, the big sacrifice, once a year. But here's the image, and this is, this is something that we don't get in our common context, but here's what's important. 
is we would have is the the high priest would go in and they would actually literally tie a rope around his waist yeah. and he had bells that went down kind of one side of his leg and if he stopped making noise people listened <laughs> yeah. they're like oh yeah, if he doesn't make noise soon we're pulling him out he's dead but that yeah. was because this was going into the presence of god mm-hmm. and sinful humanity couldn't just walk into the presence of god like there was a process yeah. of cleansing and repentance and care and sacrifice and so jesus has gone in on our behalf our sacrifice, our permanent high priest, right? So that we can experience the presence of God now yeah. in our fallen, flawed, sinful yeah. bodies. Beautiful accomplishment right? that the Lord has made for us. It is. And so now we talk about the final one is how does Christ return to judge the living and the dead comfort you, right? And he talked about in all my affliction and persecution, I may await with head held high the very judge from heaven who has already submitted himself to the judgment of God. So there's that there's that sacrifice role yeah. that the high priest would do, right? That that he has been, he has become the sacrifice and has removed all the curse from me, the catechism said, right? Yeah. He will cast all his enemies and mine to everlasting condemnation, but he will take me and all his chosen ones to himself in the joy and glory of heaven, Yeah. right? And so Jesus awaits being that final judge. And in the meantime, he prays for his church. He prays for you and me. You were talking earlier about some images mm-hmm. of Jesus in the New Testament after he's ascended. What yeah. were you saying earlier? Well, yeah, we were talking because uh, on the first question, it says that he's seated at the right hand uh, or he mm. sits at the right hand of God. And uh, that speaks to his authority, right? His position. And mm. it, spe- it speaks to his work being accomplished. Um, the king sitting means he's sitting and ruling. Right. And so, but we see in the book of Acts, we get this, you know, it's the only time we do see it, but we do see it. And sure. uh, I don't know if it's, he does it for every believer. But he makes mention that he's standing to receive him yeah. as Stephen dies. I mean, if let's just play that out. If he's standing for each believer, it just shows. Uh, it just shows the place we have when we're his. That yeah. that position as a high priest, the comfort that we have. And and when you go to the last one, I do have confidence. Mm-hmm. Why does it come for me in the last question? Because if he's going to receive me as his own, man, that's super comforting. Because right. I know I'm a sinful man, but I rest in what Christ has done, and if he returns as my judge. Man, with the accomplished work, but then he comes to receive me. That's humbling, man. Yeah. And it gives me a sense of confidence like, you're enough, Lord. You're enough. Yeah, if if we could take that and draw out another, uh, another misconception, I think, of modern Christianity, if you will. And, and maybe, you know, if you're listening, maybe this isn't what you think. Maybe you've never thought about it or yeah. whatever. But um, if we look at this and we see Jesus seated, right? We see him reigning and ruling, a position of authority, you're right. But we also see him, if we see him stand, and if you're unfamiliar with that passage in Acts, uh, I think it's Acts 9 or 8, anyhow, it's at the end of Stephen's life. Stephen is martyred, I think probably Acts 8. And as he is put to death, we get a glimpse into Jesus standing and receiving yeah. him, right? Like like Stephen literally, from Jesus, gets a standing ovation. Yeah. Right? Like, hey, well done, yeah. right, Stephen, you're amazing. And so we don't know if he does that for every believer or not, but even if he doesn't, what we see is that move from sitting to standing. What we see is Jesus engaged in humanity, Yeah. right? So he's not just there or just absent or we're waiting for this return. He's doing nothing in between. Even there's two things right there. He's engaged in receiving believers as they enter into heaven. He is engaged in praying for us, his church, as we work through our lives here on earth. He is leading, he is reigning and ruling, he is standing, he's engaging, he's praying even to the Father on our behalf. And so there's an image of Jesus engaged 
in humanity. Yeah, I think too. It also um, one thing, an, an unfortunate thing, and I think people do it as parody, or they just do it. Um, I, I don't know where the tradition came from that sure. Peter will, will meet you at the pearly gates, and that's great. I, I get it. We want to value Peter, but if you think about that, just think about that imagery, right? Mm-hmm. That's given an imagery that Jesus is not really involved in your death, right. and that when you get to heaven, you still go seek Jesus. But the Bible paints another picture. No, 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 no. To right. be absent from that body is to be presence with the Lord. He right. is with you when you re- when you die. You are received. Right. It's not you get into a taxi cab and Peter takes you down through right. heaven, the golden road, and here's Jesus's kingdom. No, yeah. you're there with Jesus. I don't know where that came from, man. But it sounds incredibly Roman Catholic. As I'm and sure. I, I don't know this, and that's not disparaging, but they are incredibly Peter based, right? They are. You know, he was the first pope, or he was this, or he was that, and and you know, the head of the church. And, yeah. and so there's a lot of belief about Peter there that I, that we could we could look at another day. But I think you're right that uh, you know Peter at the pearly gates kind of image that we get from a cartoon or something, right? That yeah. isn't necessarily theological, but you're right. It it misses the idea that Jesus is engaged in receiving his own to himself, yeah. as this question says. It says this, but he will, this is the, the last part of your answer in question uh, 52, in answer 52, he will take me and all his chosen ones to himself into the joy and glory of heaven. You and I have dealt with some loss in the church, some loss of a friend, some yeah. loss of some other folk, some friends, plural, in our church. And we've dealt with that over the last 30 days. There's been a series of grievings. And this is comforting, man. He will take me and all his chosen ones, or he will take Raul, he will take Grace, he will take those who have gone before yeah. us, right? Yeah. And he has welcomed them into the joy and glory of heaven. Oh, man. How amazing, right? It is really amazing and very comforting, very encouraging. Well, Pastor Jeff, I just want to say thank you for the time. It's been a treat getting back on this podcast train with you. And for all of you, thank you for listening to the Generations Church podcast. Uh, every Tuesday, we release a new episode of Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude. Uh, And if you like what we're doing, please write a review and let us know your thoughts and opinions of the show. And also, if you can, please give us a like and a share. We'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you again. Take care. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church. G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch.